We're rolling. Counting us down. All right, hold my lunch. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out. I am Tari J. I am Lex Michael. And today we're joined by one of the show favorites, Lucretia Lyon. Hey guys. Hi. Empanadas. Yes. <laughs> yep, <And> that's Coke. <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> Uh, if this is your first time listening, make sure that you subscribe and uh, you follow us on all the social media so you keep up to date with the show. Uh, we're on Twitter at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Uh, you can also hit us up on our personal Twitters uh, if you want a little personal time. Uh, mine is Tari J, T-E-R-I-J-A-Y. I'm at the Lex Michael. And I'm Lucretia Lyon, guys. You can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. Uh, yeah. Tari, yes? I just wandered off the street in a fugue state. I'm a little lost. What is it that we do here? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked, mm-hmm. Lex. You see, we all grew up in different ways. We all have different perspectives on the world around us. True. And the only way to build our feelings of empathy is to experience life from other people's perspectives Uh and so on this show we introduce each other to different things that helped build who we are and help hope and we hope that that helps build you we are the retrospective that's introspective okay that tracks for me i feel the the fog is lifting yes i'm glad yeah goodbye fugue state (laughs) there it goes it's like a it's like a bird it is. It's like it's it looks like elegant. It's like you know how like when you're in middle school and you're trying to depict birds and you just do the line that curves <laughs> down and then back up and that's like supposed to be the silhouette of it flying yeah, away. Yeah, it looks yeah, like yeah. that. There goes the puke. Ooh. Um so today we brought in the spectacular 1998 movie Fallen starring Denzel Washington, John Goodman, um Keith Sutherland's dad Donald. <laughs> Uh, I thought Donald Sutherland was a bigger actor, but I guess with 24, yeah. It's got, uh, yeah. but it's also got your uh, James Gandolfini in it, yeah. the, the late great James Gandolfini, and uh, Ada Turturro as a fellow police officer in the same bullpit. Uh, Ada Turturro played uh, Janice, Tony Soprano's sister, on The Sopranos. Oh. Later. So it was, it was a lot of fun to see them playing uh, n- members of a, of a, a surrogate police family as opposed to a, a blood slash mafia family. Right. That well, was that was very cool. Um, okay. There was also yeah. just I have to make a note of this or not make a note. I have to make it known that there was like a really small um, bit part by uh, Chris Williams. Chris Williams. Williams. Yeah. Chris Williams. Black yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. He, what, I don't think that was cop. him. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I was like, I know this face. I know this actor's face, and I couldn't place him. And, Holy crap! And it's two, Black Lightning. And Beth Davis, who most people know as Sheila from Army of Darkness. Yeah. Yes. yes. Although, isn't she also the teacher in Matilda? Yes. Yeah. She had actually done a lot of work with this. Same okay. Because that's so, yeah. where you're yeah. right. I did. I didn't even make the Army of Darkness connection because when I picture Sheila, half the time I picture like Dead Eye Sheila Dead-Eye from the Sheila, last. Yeah. yeah. But uh, spoilers for Army yeah. of Darkness. Whoops, guys. Uh, but I <laughs> I made the Matilda connection during this movie first, which says something about me. Yeah. I suppose. Well, you know it, what? I was down. I was down with the till. Not like we don't that's talk about Ash uh, all the time. Yeah. Down, yeah. All right. All right. All right. Oh, so, yeah. So, Tari, this, the Fallen was was your selection. And Lucretia, I said, come do this episode with us when I mentioned to you that we were doing Fallen this week and you got uh, leaps and bounds more excited than I've ever seen you get about anything. So, I had never seen this movie. So, I would love it if both of you explain to me what it is about this picture, what what place it holds in your minds and your hearts, and why you're both so amped to talk about it. 
I'll let you start, Lucretia. Well, yeah, like, um, I've always loved Denzel as an actor because I actually really watched um, St. Elsewhere and stuff like that growing up. But this, too, was one of my favorite films he was in because it's a supernatural thriller, very much in the vein of, like, movies at that time, like Seven and everything. So when people always talk about, I mean, Training Day is an awesome movie, but it's like they talk about Denzel's work, and I'm like, have you ever seen Fallen? So many people have never seen this movie. And I used to watch it on basic cable all the time with my brother and my family. This was always touted as our favorite Denzel film because it's so cool and the use of the Rolling Stones throughout you know and then of course you know Elias Costes in the beginning he's pretty cool and enigmatic actor who reminds me a lot of Christopher Maloney in a way I always call him like skinny Maloney he's so cool and just that one scene it's very much like Shocker which is another movie I love with Mitch Pelegi from X-Files like and the fact that it's like Shocker doesn't even make me like dislike it it makes it honestly cooler because it's the same sort of idea of this guy pretty well continuing you know and of course it turns out to be a demonic spirit Azazel continuing on to torture this cop and I just love that whole concept and really kind of making this more supernatural than say like seven or something at the same time I did I didn't realize this is a whole era of Denzel's career that I had not ever tracked before but between this and like virtuosity which we yep. talked about yeah. a handful of weeks ago I didn't realize that like Denzel's thing for a minute was paranormal action cop yeah <laughs> uh, yeah he had a really g- big stint of that and that was like my Denzel for a while uh, so I actually since virtuosity was one of my favorite movies back then having this movie where he's almost kind of like the same dude but like they just change it from sci-fi to supernatural fiction. Uh, that was my bag. Plus, like I grew up in a real Christian home, and <laughs> so like having a like biblical fiction thing. I don't think I knew this about you. Oh, girl, you, there's so much you don't know about. Do you me. love Book of Eli too? That's actually my second favorite Denzel film. I've yeah. never seen it <laughs> oh, actually. Really? Yeah. yeah, you know. But um, it's, seriously, like sidebar, like I'm like, when is this? Do you know when this is in relation to say like Bone Collector, for example, which where I feel like he's transitioning. He's almost like the same type of police character, but. I think like, Bone Collector But transitioning like tomorrow, like, yeah. I'm going to fight people instead of <laughs> ghosts or, like, sentient uh, computer programs or whatnot. Right. I think that Bone Collector probably came out, I want to say, like, within two years of yeah, this. Yeah, it was definitely a few um, years. So was that, like, was that, like, his bid for legitimacy at that point? Like, because he was super, obviously, oh. like, dude, like, when Fallen happened, right, like, he was obviously, he was, people, he was a known quantity. Yeah. He, he was, like, people knew who he was. He was an insanely charismatic, capable actor, right? But had he, had he like... I feel like he hadn't really crossed over yet. I feel like he was still like virtuosity's Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, I feel like this was his his uh, bid in other types of movies because like he did like Malcolm X and he did like other serious movies before this. True. And then I think that like, like Glory was before this, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then I think he he was like, I'm gonna try other genres because like uh, one paychecks. But also, like, I imagine he's like, these are cool ideas. Let me see if I can uh, find my way into them. Um, So he did, like, yeah, stints of just, like, really, I don't even know if they're obscure, but, like, they are left of the drama he had usually been doing. Right. When I when I say when I use the word like legitimacy, I don't mean like in, in terms of his overall career. I mean, in this specific direction, it was more like I'm going to I'm going to edge into more of the like adult thriller category and away from it's X-Files, but it's my entire filmography. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Well, maybe because I know that like I feel like he was doing these films and then at a certain point he's like, I'm over it. And then he did. Col- not collateral training day. Yeah. yeah. And that was like another turning point in his career. Cause they were like, Oh yeah, he can do other stuff. And then it allowed him to kind of branch out into other bits of like storytelling. They went, Oh, King Kong ain't got nothing on him. Hell yeah. no. Um, so another thing that like really attracted me to this movie is that it was, um, I think we had talked about in one of our previous, I think it was, uh, higher learning that like when I, a lot of the movies that I was watching as a kid were the world is terrible like <laughs> black people die in fiction uh, fiction stories um, and so this was like the first um, like supernatural like like fantasy type thing that like the bad guy won and I was like no 
bad guys can't win. Right. That's that's not a thing. That's right. why I love this like, movie. It was like, oh, the ending. Oh, yeah. yeah. It like shifted my yeah. whole worldview. Like I think about it sometimes. Really? Yeah. Oh. Just the image of, uh, I guess, uh, full full spoilers for Fallen from here on out. Uh, Azazel just leaving the scene as the cat. Yeah. <laughs> like when the, yeah. when the Rolling Stones come back on the soundtrack and this cat, the way the cat is moving, it seems so jaunty. Yeah. Like Azazel's mm-hmm. like, I figured it out. I don't even need people. I got this. And <laughs> Let me well, tell you about the time I almost died. Can I talk to you about that cat? Okay. Um, <laughs> you can. Mostly because it, I, I think that this story is very, like, I, I, if you look at the reviews, I feel like they're not great. And I know that fans weren't a fan of, um, of Azazel winning at the end. There's actually a, a fan cut where Azazel loses because people were like, I don't like it. This is um, some this is some like Last Jedi man cut business. Right. Um, <laughs> ugh. Ugh. But um it I think that like the storytelling in this movie is really well done. Like it, it even without the uh without the supernatural elements, it's a it's a veritable just like who done it? You know, right. like it, it. If you removed all the Azazel stuff, it could just be like the movie Copycat, uh, for example. Uh, and so, like that cat specifically, they do a lot of gr- groundwork or legwork, um, establishing that that was a possibility. So the first time that that uh, Denzel goes to the cabin, you see the cat run underneath, and then at another point when uh, Azazel infiltrates the police station. You also uh, see that he's able to possess not non-human entities because he gets into that cat and then he uses it to get to the police station. So like they did all of the the like pieces that they needed to to make sure that this made sense as an ending, uh, and I really like that. I see. I did not track all of that. <laughs> I did. I was so. I don't. This this whole. I felt like I was consistently having to collect myself during this movie because I kept bumping into things, not not stuff that I was having trouble reconciling, like not things that leapt out to me as issues necessarily, but I just kept bumping into things and then I would think about those things while the movie kept going. <laughs> so I, I was maybe missing things like tracking tracking how we set up the animal, for example. <laughs> um, like I took, well, we can go through, like as we're talking about this, I'll go through like the, the relatively limited number of notes I took because what ended up happening was I started taking notes up top mm-hmm. and then at a certain point became so lost in some of these things in the movie that I stopped taking notes altogether. Because well, there's sp- specific scenes, like another one where you know, you see uh, Cress Williams has a quick cameo on the police station, but you also see um, actor Jason George who, you know, I remember most from like a, a WB sitcom like Off Center and the the rapper and he was really funny but he's known from now Grey's Anatomy and he will be the lead of the spinoff like he's a pretty relatively known television actor but he's one of the extras when Azazel is literally flipping from people to people to people at the uh, food truck yeah yeah uh, oh, but the, okay. So the and that's the, so hard to follow sometimes. Who's he in? Like, the, the food truck. Part. So yeah. one of the things, one of the things that really leapt out at me in this movie was the the bit where the dude says to the other dude, <laughs> "Do you know what you would look like with this sandwich up your ass?" Yeah, and I. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what he would look like with the sandwich up his ass. First of all, uh-huh. uh, I don't want to know. Secondly, third, I can picture it. Fourth, I I was stuck there for a good. 10 minutes after that why i don't because i just i don't know i don't know it's just like i did not expect that there would be discussion of uh rectally inserted sandwiches in this picture and i was not prepared i was caught off guard yeah they should put that in the rating you know right like they did with black panther for the one finger gesture it literally says one finger gesture and you're like right and it's like uh uh, rated r for for violence language and sandwiches being inserted in asses hypothetically yeah they needed this for Lex. <laughs> but seriously, stuff like, stuff like that. I was just like, wow, that's... Huh, okay. That's a thing. This is great. There's demons in this movie. Um, but stuff like... But, it, but even stuff like, okay, so I liked... You You tell me if I was reading way too far into this. So when they're talking about one of the first scenes in the movie where Denzel is at the bar and he's talking to uh, uh, John Goodman and James Gandolfini and James Gandolfini is giving him a little bit of shit for not 
taking money. Yeah. Um, right. Which is, which is a thread that we completely abandoned. I was like, is this going to be the source of, uh, I guess we're just setting up like what a, what a good dude he is so that when it's like, Oh, he's being framed. It's like, well, Oh, my whole world is so shifting because I'm so not the guy who's dirty. I guess maybe that's what that scene was doing there primarily. Well, uh, it served two purposes in that, one, yes, it established that he's a good dude, but it also established the environment of the police station he worked in. Right. And that, like, it made it so that you could believe that effectively he would go he would go down for um, this crime just because the police wanted to sweep it under the rug. Right, right. Um, so, like, I think that it... It served that purpose. No, no, no. Yeah. That, that, that's not my issue with the scene. I liked, I liked the scene, and that makes perfect sense. I mean, you're, you're, you're setting up pretty standard, uh, uh, pretty standard trope of police drama at that point. It's right. Like, um, right. It's like if we're all, if we're all a little bit, a little bit dirty, if we're all a little bit on the take, then you not being on the take even a little bit, do we need to be nervous about you? Type of thing. We see this in police stories. It's over very and much over like Gotham. Yeah. Here's yeah. what I fixated on: was their use of the term "cream" to refer to uh, the money being taken. Is this was this a Wu Tang reference specifically? I don't know. Cream mm-hmm. cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money, dollar, dollar, bill, y'all, no, nothing. I don't know. Because uh, that's, I I was stuck on that. I could have looked this up, I guess, and instead I just allowed myself to remain stuck on the possibility for a little bit. I think it was more just that, like, cream, you put it in your coffee. I guess sweeten so it, sweet like, the pot yeah, a little bit. Yeah, sweet it, make it a little sweeter. Because I went, my brain went sweet, it's just straight to Wu-Tang. Damn. Like, which, by like... the way, your explanation, way simpler. <laughs> yes. Way simpler. You don't have to reach at all for that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I like that you went on this, like down this deep rabbit hole, being like, "Cream? Are they this talking about Wu-Tang. what? Are they talking about Wu Chang? Is it semen? What is it? What is this cream?" <laughs> And Lex is the whitest person at this table. <laughs> that's why it's funny that you drew the Wu Tang reference. True, um, <laughs> yeah. but but no, like I, I reach for no because whenever you, whenever you hear cream in relation to money, I think of the acronym and I think of Wu Tang. Get out of here! Don't give me, don't give me. Why you gotta give me that look? Why you gotta judge me? I'm laying I'm, myself on the line right now. Hey, I'm sticking, look, I'm sticking okay. my neck out. I'm making myself hey. vulnerable, and you're judging me. I'm not judging. I'm I'm just I'm I'm taking it in. Hey, I like where your brain goes, man. Yeah, I like I like it. You, you got any more sweet, sweet moments that really caught you up? Some 90s rap um, deep cuts there, Lex, no, no, ready? Here, here are the oh. rest of my notes. <laughs> I need this. Yes, here the please. Re- Thank you. all of my notes from this movie. The first thing was I took a note of the when the voiceover started at the right up top. And he's like, let me tell you about the time I almost died. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's, the, it's the tone of the voiceover keyed me in immediately to exactly what type of journey I was in for. And I love it. No. At no point, and it makes perfect sense when we get to the end, I suppose, and uh, it's revealed that we've been getting, even though it's Denzel delivering the the voiceover, we're getting it from Azazel's point of view. So it makes more sense at the end of the movie. But the entire movie, I was marveling at how profoundly disconnected the voiceover felt from everything that was happening. Yeah. And you can backfill why that is, and it makes sense. But while I was watching it, it was incredibly disorienting at all times. Um, <laughs> I took note when uh, Where It's At by Beck popped yes. up on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That was it. Just that it happened. <laughs> Nothing about it. Just that it happened. Okay. The sandwich in the ass thing. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped taking notes until I guess the final third of the movie when he needs the word apocalypse defined for him. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> you have to remember that this is like the 90s and and we weren't using apocalypse um all willy-nilly like we do now like oh man 405 is closing i guess it's carpocalypse or Carmageddon or like you know that wasn't a thing (laughs) (laughs) uh so x-men movie had not come out yeah, uh, he was an X Men villain in the nineties, though. Yeah, but like nineties yeah, was when nobody nobody would admit to reading comics, right? And yeah. this is like pre nine eleven, before America realized that we were vulnerable. So everyone was like, "Man, you know, everything's good into the world, never gonna happen." I get, but like, was it really? I I totally get it not being a dinner table conversation as it is now <laughs> daily because we live in the most horrifying timeline. Uh, but it was a really a word that a, that a seemingly decently educated police officer would need. I get that it's there for the audience. 
but within within the reality of the world, yeah. I went, how did how this guy not know this word? How is this possible? How is he how is he efficient at his job? I, right? Like this seems like yeah. a weird this seems like such a weird, massive gap, right? But because like, then I start going, this, if this is true, what else is true? Well, what else does this, this man not know that might be useful to him? Lex, I just want to point out that before we started this podcast, you did not know how many weeks were in a year off the top of your head. So like how are you giving Denzel shit for not knowing what apocalypse was? Damn. In fairness, in fairness, uh uh I have no argument. Yeah, um, I was like, no. you have gaps in knowledge. We all do. I don't know a lot about physics. I don't I have never to solve demon class. crimes is my yeah. retort to that. <laughs> um, it's his first demon crime. If he was yeah. on his like third, yeah. he'd be like, of course. Like he'd be the Constantine of this whole thing where he's like, well, yeah, uh, apocalypse. <laughs> I know all his revelations. <laughs> I just want to point out, it wasn't <laughs> me who, who used that reference <laughs> yeah. and drink, everybody. Yeah. Denzel Washington as like yeah. the supernatural dog <laughs> cop. <laughs> Do you remember? Do you remember what was it? Um, uh, Five hundred deeds for Eddie McDowd, the yes. kids show where like Seth Green yeah. is reincarnated as a dog that has to basically do mitzvahs for folks so he can be a person again. I love that was it show. Seth Green. Yeah, I thought it was Seth Green. Oh, yeah. um, but but it's like that with Denzel, but he's a dog in a trench coat and he solves demon crimes. I'm into it. In my defense, I had not had coffee before before blanking on how many weeks were in a year. <laughs> and I had to make a really aggressive lane shift from where my brain was to there, and it wasn't happening. So maybe right. Denzel did not have his coffee yet. That's, That's a good true. point. Nope. That's he's actually a very legitimate point. He's coffee he's, in the yeah. movie. And, mm. and he's got to be yeah. exhausted. He's been working the demon case <laughs> for a while. He keeps having to go to this cabin. God knows how far outside <laughs> the city that cabin is. He keeps having to go talk to this, this poor woman who just wants to keep living her life without being harassed by demon cop. Uh, that's a good point. I well, can't. Yes. And that tracks because in the movie, this is a real big spoiler for the movie, so I really hope you watched it. Um, but it, the sequence goes, he goes to get up and make breakfast and coffee. He finds his, that his brother's dead, goes on the run, and then is on a bus. And he so doesn't he have definitely his coffee. doesn't have his coffee. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. You, it works. It tracks. Yeah. That's now, that's now that's official. That's canon. That's canon. That's fallen canon. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, on God, second watch. Like it's spinach. What? It's like he's Popeye coffee and spinach. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it actually no surprises cream. me how much coffee he drinks in this movie. Like, there are moments when, like, like John, John Goodman, not John Candy. John Goodman is like. <laughs> Hey, you want some coffee? And he's like, I already got some. And then like when he's at the crime scene, he's drinking more coffee. There's like a dramatic scene where he's he has to go back to the precinct and he has his coffee in his hand and he's just like glug glug glug. And he like polishes it off and he's like glug 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 throw a cup on the ground. Um so much coffee this guy is drinking. He's like uh he's like Blackdale Cooper. Yep. A little bit. Actually, it tracks a little bit, right? He's a good guy. He's good. He's a good... Uh, he's not an agent. He's a good cop. He's good at his job. He's always drinking coffee. He's, he's dealing with, like, supernatural crimes, having to solve them intuitively. He meets... Uh, doesn't, like, come face-to-face -face with a doppelganger, but he has to basically face uh, his shadow self. Does so with imperfect courage. Mm -mm. Oh, mm -mm. man. Mm -mm. But, yeah, coffee's good. Coffee is good. And he doesn't take any cream. Oh! No cream! Um, but again, after seeing this movie for the, the like a hundredth time, um, but like most recently this time, having all my TV knowledge, I wish that this was a series. Like if they're going to adapt something, I really wish that they would make this a thing. And like the main character can definitely be a Zazel in the same way that like I imagine it being kind of like a Hannibal style thing. Okay, oh, so you yeah. want you want it to track the demon. Yes. Because when you said TV series, the first thing my brain did was, okay, so we're going to take that entire string of Denzel movies, like Virtuosity, we're going to take Fallen, we're going to take even like Bone Collector, where he's dealing with like human crimes, but in a very weird, specific way. Yeah. And that's going to be the series. It's basically going to be like, uh, he's going to be one character, but he could be like the man with no name, in that he has no one name. It's just they call him something different in every one. <laughs> and like, no, my head cannon analysis is all the same guy. Right. It's exactly the same. And so like, we can follow Denzel as he does all these weird, like, supernatural... You'd have to get Denzel to commit to TV. And he's a busy guy, and I don't he know. He is a busy but like, guy. But, like, Hopkins and Ed Harris and stuff are on Westworld now. So, like, world of possibility. Actually, so here's a thing that I've always wanted for the last three years. Um, mm -hmm. 
is I really want uh, John Boyega to play a young Denzel. Okay. Because I feel like he would do such a good job. And they, like, have similar facial features if you look at them the right way. Um, So it can be... I would rather it be John Boyega playing the young version of all these characters. So he has room to grow. Well, and what yeah. we do is, as a framing device, we do it as like the uh, the young Indiana Jones show, yeah. where like every once in a great while, you'd, you'd get Harrison Ford as an older Indiana Jones being like, and then I... I don't know. I yeah, because that was River Phoenix. <laughs> it was young Indiana. In, um, yeah. in, uh, in Last Crusade, yeah. yeah. But they did, the, they did the TV show. Oh, yeah, because he was supposed to be in the TV show, but he had died. He that passed away. It. Yeah, that oh. was sad. I was uh, like, oh, yeah. But, but you, could do the, you could do it a, a framing device, and you could yeah. have Denzel as the older version of the character being like, and, and let me tell you about the time I almost died. You can yeah. do the voiceover to... like Bob Saget style. Yes, and then we come, <laughs> and then we come back to Boyega, and Boy, then we follow Boyega as young Denzel, and that's that's the body of the story. But then, like older Denzel can bookend it. Yeah, brilliant. Can I'm we, into it. HBO yeah. maybe or show, I feel like Showtime would yeah, be a good. Showtime yeah. would be really into it. Yeah, and yeah, they're like hungry for content. You yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we want to do a shittier version, we could do it on Netflix. Boom! Ooh! Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Somewhere Ted Sarandos just clutched his heart <laughs> and like, no. put his hand on the table. <laughs> I'm sorry, Netflix. If you're listening to this, I just you. you Three more drafts is all I ask. Just like three more drafts of most of your content. Just so like you can really get the best version of it. I just I feel like you guys stop at a certain draft and you're like, let's get this show on the road. Um, and this is Tari Knox Netflix, a new segment on Missing Out. <laughs> just don't just uh, at Tari. Don't at me about this. <laughs> I didn't, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. Nope. I, <laughs> he's going rogue. <laughs> Oh, Lex just uh, threw you under the bus there. Uh, huh? no. He's going yeah. rogue. I mean, yeah. the, every, the views expressed on this podcast uh-huh. are those of my, me alone. Even those views expressed by other people are the views are, are belong to me. <laughs> Opinions my own. <laughs> Your views are belong to me. Um, oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, man. Trash fire. Um, I really... Uh, <laughs> I really... <laughs> Um, right. I really liked John Goodman in this movie. I, yeah, I like so John Goodman good. in literally everything. Yeah. Although I think it's really interesting that, and I guess this was around the the time in in Goodman's career where he was he was really establishing himself as a you know a a, a film a film actor as opposed to right because like he was, he was still doing Roseanne at this point too, wasn't he? Yeah, yes. I believe so. So now he's like really he had he had done movies before, but I feel like he was he was cementing himself as you know John Goodman, and so much so that on the poster. Uh, Denzel obviously gets top billing and then on the poster John Goodman is billed right under him but I was like I watched this movie and I was like that's interesting to me because he doesn't really feel like any more of a presence in this movie than than Donald Sutherland or or even Gandolfini even though I think Gandolfini is a little bit less screen time than John Goodman like he doesn't feel like his and this isn't uh, uh, Goodman it's the character like the character doesn't feel like more of an active presence than anybody but Denzel really right so it's interesting to me that he still warrants second billing on like the marketing materials yeah well I mean he I guess I mean he was the 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 role uh, was specifically written for John Goodman really yes so I imagine like in with that in mind um, one, I assume that the writer just really wanted to work with John Goodman. Well, sure. Um, and two, like, uh, he was, he was the like main character's best friend. So I imagine, and he did have like one of the more dramatic scenes with, with Denzel. So I imagine him being like, yo, I got to die on screen. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get second bill and yo, Yeah. I'm yeah, John exactly Goodman. I mean, like what's that. up? I mean, maybe Yo. I don't know if he did, uh, his reps maybe did that. Pachu, pachu, cacao. cacao. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. I. I feel like they're like weren't they? They were be- be- quote unquote best friends, I guess, because we don't see them really being best friends very often. Uh. He doesn't. That's my thing. Is like he doesn't because our and they're partners too, right? Yeah. So right. So I didn't feel like he was any closer with like his ostensible best friend and partner than he was with like Gandolfini's character, a character who he ostensibly does not like that much. Well, then you weren't. You may have been down one of your Wu Tang rabbit holes. I stuck on the sandwich in the ass um, thing, like during some of these pivotal friend moments. Right. Because there are two very specific like friend moments. 
where uh, one is when uh, Jonesy goes to the basketball court to pick up um, Denzel and he says hey to, to Sam and he's he's like, I'm not going to play basketball. Ha 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 ha. Um, and then there's also the the scene that I really liked, which was the scene where they were talking about the meaning of life. Yeah. Um, that, I think, was was the ultimate friendship moment, which makes the ending like heart wrenching yeah because he cared about well i like and i love that that scene where i mean even though you find out of course that that he's possessed by azazel at that point but the moments until the the reveal where it really seems like it it is jonesy like having a really hard time with putting the gun on his friend and really wanting to let him go of course, then you it pops Donald Sutherland, and it's like, oh, is it is well, well played. It's a very good improv, Azazel. Well done. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like those moments, even without me feeling the entire time, like I did, I didn't feel the closeness the entire movie. That I still thought was incredibly effective, and that I think is is all Goodman's performance. Yeah. Can speaking of that moment, can I talk about how much I I really I thought it was great. This this like three way sequence when um. Uh, Donald Sutherland has the gun and he's like, yo, I don't want to take you in. I don't care if you're guilty. I don't care if you're not. Um, and all you, you can see it on Denzel's face that all he's thinking is you fucked up my plan. What are you doing here, Jonesy? And like, <laughs> I, and I, like, because there's this part of me that thinks that Denzel's character or Hobbs specifically yeah. um, was like, yeah, I'll kill the lieutenant, but not Jonesy. Right. <laughs> You're my bud. Yeah. You're my bud. Donald Sutherland, he's, he's good. He's, he's getting a little older. His hair's white. He's, he's right. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's like, I was fine he's got with shooting like, him in the head, but he, yeah. He knew, right? He's, he could have retired yeah. with a pension like five years ago, and he stayed in it. He knew what he signed up for. Right. Yeah. And in an That's alternate dark. universe, so he becomes a, a dictator of the 13 precincts. What? Or districts? The 13 districts? Oh, in the... Yes, the hunger smains. Gung, the gunger... Gungan Dins. The, yeah, the oh, Gungan yeah. games. The, the Gungan Shames. Misa! <laughs> play the games! Misa from District 1 and 2! Yep. Yep. Misa he, volunteer! <laughs> he was Buffy's watcher in the Buffy movie. Oh, that's right, in the movie. In the movie <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, Jar Jar Binks before. was not Giles. Yeah. Uh, no. Nope. Took, took me a second. No, nope. Donald Sutherland. Took yep. me a second, man. Oh man! I'm now. While we're doing this, by the way, I'm pulling up John Goodman's filmography because I want to know where this place is. Because it's just before Lebowski. Yeah. So this is like yeah. So he's been like so so Goodman's been doing movies since like Eddie Macon's run in '83, but like consistently like real strong supporting roles until like he was in uh, prominent. That's right. He was in Revenge of the Nerds. Like uh, solid supporting roles. He was in um, True Stories, the the Talking Heads movie musical. Did uh, Raising Arizona with the Coens in 87. And then, okay, King Ralph in 91. And then, yeah, he he did like really strong supporting roles, like big prominent roles until, okay, 94 was the Flintstones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, okay, so Blues Brothers 2000, 98, and yeah, Fallen. So Fall- 98 was a big year for him because he had uh, Fallen, Blues Brothers 2000, Big Lebowski, Dirty Work, The Real Macaw. Uh, oh. And a, he was Santa Claus in a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer movie. And Big Dirty, year work, for is, oh, Dirty nice. work is one of the uh, the best movies of all time. If y'all have not seen that, you've got to watch just for the hooker in the trunk bit. Even even just that moment, it's so good. It's Norm Macdonald's first film like that he does. For, that's a uh, him starring vehicle. Like that and screwed some of the best work. So really, this this certainly wasn't like the the arrival of John Goodman. John Goodman had been working for a decade plus, but I think this was the year that John Goodman started being in like five to six movies a year. Right. Anyway, Uh, that's it. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Hey, anytime, (laughs) man. The history of Goodman. (laughs) (laughs) A good man's history. Um, Lucretia, what what? What what excites you about this movie? What 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 about it uh, makes you fall from delight? Oh yeah, I, I did love um that little transition there. But yeah, I really like this movie because I'm obviously a very dark and disturbed person who's always been into the supernatural. And what I love is the fact that Azazel wins. He just goes into the kitty, and and if you know if I was a demon or honestly just in the next life, I'd want to be a kitty um, because that's the best. That's the best life is just stand there and be cute. And then, too, he can just jump into anybody. 
Right, like yeah. the cat, the cat like d- does his little jaunty <laughs> walk away at the end. The music picks up, and then right, we dissolve to this big crowd shot. The implication being everyone could be a Zazel. Fear everyone you see. <laughs> yeah, and it's just such a good film. And at this time, we had a lot of good detective films because I always bring up Seven because this Seven was done just before this, and it's one of my favorite, you know, like kind of cop movies. But this one is like, oh. It's like seven if it added the supernatural because even the direction is very similar to Fincher's in a lot of ways where it's the dark, the gritty, and just the the going around it too because it obviously confused you sometimes. You're like, wait, what? What is happening? That's what I liked about the film. Is I you're was just less, like, it's less yeah. that I was confused by the movie and more that I was thinking about this guy getting a sandwich in his ass, and it made <laughs> yeah. it, it made it tough to like. Occasionally, I just had to check in with myself and be like, where are we? Great. But yeah, I mean, even at that time, and that's why, you know, I bring up this in Seven and even, you know, Shocker, which was Rice Craven's that was, you know, it was kind of a similar thing. That was a Craven movie. Yeah. like And these movies, the evil tends to win, you know, because in Seven, even though Kevin Spacey dies, spoiler alert, he got his wish. I mean, he completed his, you know, journey. What's in the box? Yeah. Yeah. And now Wrath, there you go. And uh, with this movie, too, it's like. You know, you can't kill evil. And I think that's what I like is that these all sort of represent just the idea of evil in this one more so than any of these other films I've mentioned that evil is all around and there is no defeating it. But you kind of need it there. I mean, in a way. Yeah. Without evil, there could be no good. So it must be good to be evil sometimes. Hardcore sidebar. I threw on the late, late, late at night. That's I think South the night Park. I finished Justified, I threw yeah. on the South Park movie yeah. afterwards. Yes. Hadn't seen it in a very long time. And it. It shouldn't hold up, and yet it does. Um, so I just got—I just took another off ramp really quickly, and yeah, I pulled I up Denzel Washington's it. filmography, <laughs> and I'm, I am deeply fascinated by this because what we have leading up to this, like into the the mid to late '90s, we have this staggeringly impressive uh, string of like prestige dramas, mm-hmm. right? Like Glory. Uh, he did he did Mo Better Blues after that. He did Malcolm X. He did uh, Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing, Pelican Brief, Philadelphia, Crimson Tide. And then in 95, we do Virtuosity. And we start doing this weird... He starts weaving between the prestige stuff and and like the ser- like the the very seriously minded you know like uh, courage under fire preachers preachers wife he got game and then we got stuff like virtuosity and fallen and the bone collector uh going into like and then like i guess that's how we get to things like john q and and out of time and man on fire um but then Manchurian Candidate, I feel like, is maybe part of the same, like, Denzel Washington does weird, creepy, paranormal slash conspiratorial stuff. This dude's had a fascinating career. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like and he, it, like, keeps going. Yeah. He made an active choice to do, I mean, who knows what these scripts look like? Who knows what the script for Virtuosity looked like when he first read it? But I, I am now so fascinated with this idea that he had so established himself as a serious dramatic actor, like a, a dramatic force of nature on screen, and then actively decided to go do the kind of like weird bonkers B-movies that a lot of actors do when they are just building their resume, like yeah. before they attain legitimacy. As much as I respected Denzel before, I think I respect him even more now because he didn't have to go do movies like that. Well, yeah. And he chose to. Because Book of Eli was after Man on Fire. I think they even kind of came out relatively at the same time was Man on Fire and Book of Eli. And Book of Eli is much more like this movie, often even more ridiculous because it's post-apocalyptic. And uh. mean, is, it, is it Man on Fire where he puts some type of explosive into someone's ass? He does this in a movie. I'm positive. Mm. I'm positive yeah. he does this in one of his thrillers, and I don't like one of the from that era because he did a couple of the those types of movies like right around the same time. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he does. He put he puts the sandwich in somebody's ass. The right. sandwich being some type of uh, yeah, it's uh, like a dynamite IV. sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, is the is Man on Fire the one where he's like, I wish you had more time? Was it that one? Because you think it would be out of time, but I don't think it is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've seen Man on Fire. Yeah, I know now that's that, me. I'm like, with, I don't with, think. Based on your yeah. description, <laughs> I don't think I've seen it. If yeah. you're listening and you know in which motion picture Denzel uh, uh, uses dynamite like a suppository <laughs> on a, on somebody, uh, let me know. 
Yeah, and, you can at yeah, Lex you, directly. This you can at me about. You can yeah. at me about Denzel Washington sodomizing folks with <laughs> explosives, yeah. I guess. No, and your opinion on Netflix. Movie. Just let them know no, how you feel at, about Netflix original. And especially if you're going to tag the official Netflix Twitter into the conversation, <laughs> only at Tari about this. Well, yeah, because I'm like, I don't think I saw Man on Fire because Trent Reznor was supposed to do the soundtrack, but then he didn't. And so then I didn't see it. For whatever reason, and I'm like, but if in Denzel put some dynamite up someone's ass, I'm watching it. I forget which one it is. You know what? Vamp for a second. I'm gonna get to the bottom of this. I'm gonna assume that it was Malcolm X. Yep. Uh, like after a speech, he like ran into some cops, and he's like, sometimes you need to commit some violence, and then he uh, essentially shoves it up a cop's butt, and he's like, time to make this revolution explode <laughs> and then the cop blows up and he's like ah i guess you're an ex-cop wink <laughs> this is good vamping yep. so uh <laughs> I, I figured it out <laughs> i figured it out i googled denzel washington explosive in ass and it is in fact man on fire man on fire is also the movie where he says i wish you had more time, possibly to the man with an explosive in his ass. Yeah. I haven't quite uh, pinned that element down yet. Is the man on fire the one who was exploded from the butt? <laughs> yes. Is that, at, at is that, that what it is? Certainly. Yeah. The whole movie is about this man. It, it's like from his perspective, but you don't find out until the end. He's like, I'm going to tell you the story of how I became the man on fire. And you see him running around mm -hmm. patting his butt because there's like a fuse in there. And yeah. then he's doing the Mario thing. Like, he's hopping around smoking. <laughs> Denzel Washington is Mario Mario. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I... <laughs> I know. I'm like, man, this like... would be a really good movie. No. Um, you guys, this... Transitions from these topics, hard. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> oh, man. Um, um, but I find Azazel, we were talking. Oh, actually, no. Uh, before I talk about Azazel, um, you brought up virtuosity. And so sure when did. we were talking about virtuosity, I had brought up that Denzel Washington uh, for a long time refused to do interracial romance kisses because uh one racism uh especially international racism uh and he felt like it was going to hurt his career so like in this movie they definitely have like the they lay the groundwork for him and uh greta to be a like romantic interest but at the end he's just like i'm gonna put a hand on your on your face and you, you can kiss that hand if you want but where our lips are not touching and i'm gonna leave now take care of this kid forever bye mm. um which uh not cool not no. cool but i mean with the way that they talk about like destiny and and doing the thing you're supposed to do in the movie i imagine that she's like that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to raise this kid. You got to hope, right? Like you got to hope. Like it's, it's part of her the, her stated philosophy, right? So, okay, yeah. you hope that she's cool with it on those grounds. Because if not, I mean, there's, there's quietly a story in this movie about this poor woman who lost her dad. Her dad might have been driven insane by a demon before he, he ends up departing this world. She's already got that to deal with. And then all of a sudden, here comes uh, Denzel and just up, up turns her entire life and ruins it, saddles her with this kid. And she gets no Denzel loving. Like no, that, that is the real like... tragedy of this film. <laughs> and nothing is more it... than like a literal talk to the hand. Yeah. yeah. Maybe at some point, Cress Williams comes and he's like, "Yo, I hear you. I hear you met my buddy uh, Hobbs, and uh, maybe you need some comforting. Uh, this this kid's gonna need a real, real nice uh, role model in his life. So I'm gonna do that, and also." I'm going to light up your world. Black light. You'll miss this in two years. <laughs> okay, that, um, that made it better. <laughs> but no Denzel um, Levin. I think also, speaking of role models, something that I really liked The movie was, role models? Uh, hmm? <laughs> I said, like, the movie role models? Oh, no. No. Um, <laughs> no, not no, that. fuck no, you. That's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really liked 
how good of a like an uncle and, and a father figure that Denzel was to both his brother and to Sam. Like there's that moment when Denzel is playing with the kids and he's talking to Sam as he's leaving and Sam's like, uh, I don't want to play with my dad. My dad's a spaz and, he, spaz and he's like, he's, he looks him dead in the eyes and he's like, don't disrespect your father. Like yeah. your father, like he's trying his best. Like you really like show him, show him the appropriate amount of respect. And I thought that was amazing. I, I really liked that moment a lot. Well, yeah. And I really liked the they set up the relationship with him and his brother and him and Sam so well. That's why like the in two, it was done so quietly and emotionally. Well, you know, he obviously is just really heartbroken that his brother is in there dead. And, you know, the implications of what probably happened, but they just they don't even address it in any way other than Denzel's face. That's what I liked. Is like, yep, that that's the way to do something like that. Is just just let him sit with it. Ugh. In yeah. uh, there's also that moment where he he realizes that at least for a minute there his his nephew was possessed by Azazel and he runs up to him and he grabs him really quickly but really hmm. quickly it's like you know that even if the kid smiles and reveals that Azazel's still in there you know he's not gonna be ready to do anything to physically harm this boy's like vessel yeah. essentially but then my brain goes to this place which is if they were making if like the Wayans brothers were making scary movies already <laughs> at this point this would be when Denzel just like kicks the kid down the hallway it's like mm, get out of him demon <laughs> it's just like beating the crap out of him this extended like outcast like, right <laughs> just like just this extended sequence of him beating the crap out of this kid yeah which doesn't happen because they weren't making those yet no they no. weren't and that's the only reason um <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but okay. <laughs> no, I can't not think about that scene. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, I really like Azazel as a concept. Um, I think that like something that like I think that if it was if this movie was made now, they would have gone into this a little bit more in that like everything that Azazel does like he he's an agent of chaos and he's he's essentially ruining these people's lives like you get a little bit of it when after he leaves uh the sandwich butt guy um <laughs> he like calls and he's like I, i've got fired from my job like this guy's life is ruined essentially and like how um he made he he's essentially made Denzel kill a couple like innocent people um and that like and that's also why I would super duper want this to be a series. Netflix, if you're listening to me, this is your chance to redeem yourself <laughs> in my just eyes. Just kidding. No, stop digging a deeper <laughs> hole, goddammit. This, this is <laughs> just apologize to Netflix. This is now Tari no. Neg's Netflix. <laughs> that's right. They're gonna be like, well, now we gotta prove ourselves to Tari. Yeah. Do it by making a, a fallen series. But like, I really, I, I feel like if this movie was made now, or if it was a series, Netflix. Um, then they would really go into how um, the, Azazel's not just a murderer, but like Azazel also goes out of his way to like ruin these people's lives and like everything he does has consequences and effects. Like that girl that he possessed for a couple days when and went on camera, um, essentially changing the, the narrative of the shooting. Yeah. Like sh she has to explain that after he leaves her body. And, 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 you know, um, even if Denzel had lived, there's no way that his life would have been the same. So, like, there, there's this wake that Azazel leaves behind him of, like, broken pieces. Even if he leaves them alive, um, there is, like, the, he, there's just nothing but destruction that he leaves in his wake. And I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, it is, and and my brain also goes to this other place too with Azazel. Now, this this movie makes it explicitly clear that we are dealing with an actual demon. Like, there's an actual evil supernatural entity that's causing all of this to happen. But like Lucretia, you mentioned Outcast a, a couple minutes ago, and that's something else that you could potentially do if if they hadn't made the decision to state like, yes, this is very explicit. It's a real thing. There's a real demonic presence. You could potentially play with the a similar thematic idea that Outcast does, which is yeah. Maybe there is an actual demonic entity possessing these people, and maybe the it's just purely metaphor for the way that people end up either self-destructing or hurting each other for whatever reason. Maybe they're victims of trauma themselves. 
whatever it's essentially like you could use it as a metaphor for the most destructive parts of human nature yeah and i'm glad you brought that up because actually um denzel's character is named john hobbs even after two of the main philosophers and i know like when i was reading more into this yesterday they kind of had a little bit of it wrong but i minored in philosophy so i can correct some of it is like so hobbs his philosophy was that people were born evil and um that people were pretty well only shaped by society and limits and things like that but with john locke who was the other philosopher that they were using in the name. Um, John Locke actually believed that people were tabula rasa, um, a blank slate mm-hmm. that were molded and shaped by their um, experiences and things like that. So yeah, it was cool that he brought that up and like a transition to the philosophical talk. And, and maybe by the <laughs> yeah. way, like these, these aren't mutually exclusive ideas, right? Like within the, if you want to apply yep. those philosophies to the movie, you could you could read it as well. That's true, right? Maybe maybe Hobbes is right, and people are born evil, or or at least with an openness to evil, and that's why Azazel has such an easy time hopping from host to host to host to host. Well, yeah, mm. and and that is what I always thought. And two, I remember I wrote a paper based in all three different distinct philosophies of people are born good, people are born bad, or they're a blank slate. And I believe that. It depends on the person to whether that's true or not, because some people are just shaped by their experience, but some people are sort of more prone to evil. And that's probably why Azazel was able to possess some of these people, because it was often dirty cops or like the journalists, because, you know, sometimes those people love to just make a narrative anyway. Like, so that may have been, you know, or the, the, the teenager that was probably like, you know like a vandalizing thing. So it tended to go to people who were possibly not all on the up and up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting, and now of course the, the movie doesn't, doesn't address the philosophical angle that directly in, yeah. in that great detail. But I think it's interesting that, yeah, you can take all of this, especially because right, like the name, right. The, 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 the philosophers' names that make up the names of our protagonists. Like, you'd have to think somebody involved in crafting this story was thinking consciously about these things, even if the movie doesn't really wade into that all that directly. I think it's, yeah, I think, and that's what I think is the most interesting usually about demonic possession stories. I mean, unless we're really like, you know, there's stories like The Exorcist where this doesn't necessarily factor in as as directly, but I love the idea of demonic possession as metaphor for for the darker parts of human nature. So I like the idea that, yeah, in this case, even though, as as we've stated, we are dealing very explicitly with an actual specter of sorts. Yeah, like it could still, it could you could still track this metaphorically, philosophically. Um, yeah, yeah, and the children could be possibly the blank slate. Like, right. you know, and then it's still able to possess these possible you, people. Maybe, yeah. Right, because like oh. they're they're more open, they're more innocent, yeah. they're more pure, they're less like Reagan in the Exorcist. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah right, right, exactly. right. So actually yeah. you can you yeah. can draw that line, right? Yeah. They're less they're less spiritually guarded, maybe, because they are relatively new and they're innocent and they haven't been, if not corrupted, they haven't been, you know, battered a little bit by by the, the this is the spiritual effect mm. of living in the world. You know what I mean? Like they haven't experienced all of it yet. So they are still so much more open. So yeah. Yeah, that actually that that fully tracks. Mm. Um so we are running low on time. All right. Um so I'm going to I want to talk a little bit about Lucretia's uh new venture. But before we do that, do you guys have anything else to do you want to talk about in this movie? Uh, mostly mm-hmm. I'm I'm totally there for the the young Denzel series or the yeah. young like the the where Boyega plays plays young Denzel. We use Denzel as the framing device, but I also really like the idea that we pull from this entire weird string of movies that Denzel did so that when we get to season, I don't know, Five, we could put together like a little Legion of Doom with all the antagonists. Like we'll have yeah. we'll have Azazel, we'll have Russell Crowe from Virtuosity, we'll have like the Bone Collector and, and whatnot. <laughs> um, we'll have like those two guys that shot Malcolm X. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> is that that's in poor taste? And then we have, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. We'll cut that. We'll cut that no, part. It's, no, it's, it's, we'll cut that it's, part. it's living in the sausage. We'll cut it. Uh, but uh, but then too, you can start. You can have him build a team of allies from all of his individual uh movies you yeah. have like you'll have like good uh, good john goodman before he gets possessed uh-huh. from fallen you'll yeah. have who does he does he have buddies in virtuosity or- um he had the uh the cop uh or the the psych the psychologist okay yeah 
Um, so then that, yeah. that recruit them um, and Kaylee Cuoco and and little Kay- Kaylee Cuoco sure recruit her she'll be the she'll be like the squirrel girl of the team yeah um, and then you get like I know in Bone Collector I think Queen Latifah towards the end gets stabbed but lives yeah she yeah. lives so, so yeah, impervious to knives Queen Latifah we need her yeah. on yeah. this team as well I said we'll, we'll build it this is gonna be like season five though right of course yeah and, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and then season season like three ish he'll meet the Flash. Um, and at the end, we we realize that this whole legion has been run by a cat. Like a, a chair is going to turn around. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a cat just jauntily like going from side to side on the like the armrests, being like, <laughs> like doesn't speak English. <laughs> or every time it opens its mouth, it's Denzel's voice, and so <laughs> it's like. Wow! Yeah, my man. I don't know what Denzel <laughs> why, why sounds is he like. Aquaman. <laughs> my no. man. Denzel had the my man way before Aquaman. I know, but you just did it like the Momoa cadence. Whatever. <laughs> Momoa then, stole it. Then, yeah. Instead of the helicarrier, they're all on the plane from flight. Yep. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. Yep. Another. Uh, by the way, another uh, movie with both Denzel and John Goodman to feature uh, Rolling Stones. Oh. Yep. Because like when when Goodman when they introduce Goodman's character, I think they they needle drop sympathy for the devil. Oh, nice! Yep. Mm. And that's the one that was at the end of this. Got a little yeah. got a little flight yeah. trivia little. in for the day. Yeah, Ooh. got a little got a little, little, little flight facts. Ooh, little flight, little flight, not flight fiction, flight facts. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, facts. alternative flight facts. Alternative mm. flight facts. Uh, yeah, Denzel Washington <laughs> was. Playing a beanbag chair. That's why that was so impressive. How did a beanbag chair land this plane? Mm. <laughs> was the beanbag chair on drugs? Hey, at least he landed it in that one. <laughs> he didn't crash it like in that new movie. <laughs> Beanbags full of acid. Mm. Mm. Best act beanbag chair I've ever seen. Alternative flight back. <laughs> so uh so lucretia uh tari's like here's my exit yep. Uh, yep i uh you just started a podcast recently right um yeah actually i have two little ventures so um yeah if you uh like movies like fallen like um sick dark things i have a show with uh my co-host chauncey k robinson who you may know from those other shows at that network we that shall not be named but yeah like um we moved uh over to it's netflix (laughs) yep it's totally netflix but yeah, we have our show, The Red Room, your horror news source. So if you're looking for fun stuff to learn about with the news or interviews and, uh, you know, we also have some fun segments. We actually do one real story a week because I believe in the supernatural and we talk about love and stuff like Rashawn was our first couple. We, we, we talk about lots of horror stuff. But if you're not into the deep, dark and scary and you're into positivity uh, listen to my podcast, Mrs. Brightside, which is on iTunes, Google play stitcher you know all the things where i believe this podcast can be found as well so while you're while you're listening to this just just type it in there subscribe listen these these guys will probably be on there soon yeah Yeah. Yeah. um that's is that mrs ms or is it is there another way to spell mrs MRS, yeah. MRS. Like I'm married to the bright side. Mercy. Yeah. Mercy. Mercy. Bright side. Mercies. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, Red Room Horror News is also on iTunes. We do it in podcast form as well. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah. It's just a fad. They'll never take off. <laughs> no one listens to podcasts. Oh, that's why Adam Carolla is a millionaire, though. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It'll, it'll never it'll never work. Podcasts. Silly ass. <laughs> you alright over there? <laughs> you always have a good time. Nope. I'm 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 I've lost it. Yep. Um all right, future Tari, start the music. Yep. <laughs> hey guys, thank you for listening to Missing Out. Um if you have a chance, uh like we said at the top of the show, make sure you like and subscribe. Mostly subscribe, there's no like button. Um, but if you subscribe, you can get this in your feed every Tuesday. Uh, and uh, make sure to go on and leave a uh, comment or a review. That really helps us. Uh, five stars 
bubbles us up to the top, helps other people find us, lets them know that you also like the things that we're saying and or doing, whether you agree with me on Netflix or not, um, feel free to uh, leave us a little, little, little note and we'll read it here on the show. Uh, as we've done previously. Uh, otherwise, you can find us on Twitter at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. But also you can find us on our personal Twitters. I'm at the Lex Michael, And I am at Tari J, T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. And since I'm Lucretia Line, guys, you can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. Hell yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us, Lucretia. Well, thank you guys for having me. I love this movie, and I couldn't believe that Lex had never seen it. Yeah, yeah. me neither. <laughs> I have, I'd seen the, the key art, the poster, a lot. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, that's because he Googles Fallen in Love, and it's just like, it's one of the first, it's it's a whole thing. What? I, I'm, I'm implying that you don't know what falling in love is, Lex Michael. Oh. <laughs> mm. oh. <laughs> oh, I've had empanadas. I know what love is. That's true. Um, all right, we'll see you next week. Don't forget to follow Lucretia on all her stuff. Did you know a turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wikiship Down podcast. We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is pure editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us. While you're at it, follow us on all social media at Wikiship Down. I'm Ruth Ann. I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>